Alexa Philippou, you're here to take us inside your reporting on UConn basketball star Paige Beckers, who I like to call Paige Buckets, by the way, in this household. But where should we start with this story today? This story starts on August 1st, 2022. That evening, about 15 months ago, Paige Beckers, the biggest star in women's college basketball at the time, was sitting in a waiting room, waiting to hear the results of two MRIs that she had taken that evening on her left knee. Earlier that day, she injured the knee in practice, but she was actually cautiously optimistic because there's an initial manual test that was done on her knee that suggested her ACL may have been spared. But then the doctor came in and delivered the knockout blow and said, unfortunately, it looks like your ACL is torn. Beckers sat there in silence as the normity of that sentence sunk in. She described the week after the injury as really hell. I was having like anxiety, like panic attacks, like. I had a hard time believing that it was real. Like, I didn't believe that I was in that position. I thought it was a dream. I would always have to be like, somebody pinched me. Um, but it was like a lot of long nights just staying up, not being able to sleep. And it was so hard for her to understand at first why something like this was happening to her. But what's happened now that she's 15 months out from that injury is that it might be possible that that whole experience ends up being a blessing in disguise, as one member of her recovery team put it to me. And that's because tearing her ACL has prompted Beckers to overhaul her approach to the game, not just so that she could come back from this injury, but that she could come back better than ever before. There's something I need to confess right off the bat here. I've been a fan of Paige Becker's since Instagram started feeding me videos of Miss Buckets while she was still in middle school. And I dare you to find a better basketball player who's ever hailed from the state of Minnesota. But the last couple years have turned her charmed story into one of adversity, struggle, and mental fortitude. So, with UConn squaring off against 20th-ranked Maryland tonight, Alexa Philippou takes us inside Paige Becker's prolonged journey back to the court and shows us how the time away changed her approach to the game as she keeps a championship run in her sights. I'm Clinton Yates. It's Thursday, November 16th. This is ESPN Daily. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live.
All right, Alexa, you shared at the top what I gather is the lowest moment of Paige Becker's career, but let's rewind and refresh our memories a bit. Remind us of how Paige first broke onto the scene in college hoops. Well, it was really right away. And in effect, what she was doing for UConn as a freshman, she was kind of the it player as soon as she got onto campus. Deckers, a three. Truth. A big response from the freshman Beckers. I think the single watershed moment for me was what she did at Tennessee. Beckers, a three. You bet. She hit a dagger three-pointer for UConn to win that matchup against, of course, their storied rival. And that will do it. The UConn Huskies with resilience in the fourth prevail at Tennessee. 67-61 the final. When she hit that shot as a freshman in a road environment in Knoxville, it was just like, okay, Paige Beckers has arrived. And it really took off from there. She hit a similar shot in overtime against South Carolina, then the number one team in the country a few weeks later. Back to Beckers, who will let it fly. She had a stretch where she was scoring 30 points a game. I think it was three games in a row. Beckers, you're <laughs> kidding me. Beautiful play by Beckers. She ended up doing what not only was really rare for a freshman at UConn to do, but for any UConn player to do. She was one of six players in UConn's history to ever average 20 points a game in a season. And ultimately, she helped lead UConn to the Final Four. That was at the time of her 13th consecutive appearance. Uh, and it was on this kind of train of the Paige Becker's you know, hype machine, but the hype was real. And she was a huge reason why UConn was at that level and seemed like knocking on the door of winning a national championship again. Typically, you don't see UConn teams rely so heavily on one person. And so in some ways, that was unusual that UConn had to rely on her as a freshman, especially, but she was able to shoulder that load and, and really excel in it. So after the breakout freshman year of 2021, her sophomore season gets cut short by a shorter-term injury. What happened there, and how did it affect that season for the Huskies? In the final minute of UConn's blowout win against Notre Dame, she was still on the floor, and she suffered a less serious non-contact injury. She underwent surgery, ended up missing 19 games, but did return by the end of the regular season. She told me that, looking back on it, she kind of forced coming back and was just waiting to hear those words that she was cleared because she just wanted to be out there and help her team get back to the Final Four, which she did. And she had this really remarkable performance in the Elite Eight. Patient offensive set. Backers again! It's in her blood. Living for these moments. It was a double overtime game against... NC State, and on really one leg, one healthy leg at least, she scored 23 points after halftime and had some just incredible shot making as she helped the Huskies then make it to their 14th consecutive Final Four. The street lives. Make it 14 straight! 
There they beat Stanford in the national semifinal. Eckers comes up with a steal. All the way in for two. And that will do it. The Connecticut Huskies will play for a national title on Sunday night. And this was all in her hometown of Minneapolis. So there was this homecoming component, homecoming story that was so kind of compelling as she's coming back from this injury. But the storybook ending wasn't quite there for her because South Carolina ended up winning the national title game over UConn 64 to 49. South Carolina has captured its second national championship. They were disappointed after falling short both against Arizona in the national semifinal her freshman year, and then they get to the national title game, and that's somewhere where previously you kind of never lost in that game. They were 11-0. And so the attention turned to just getting back there, getting back there and being better than ever. So she actually stayed over the summer, that's the summer of 2022, in stores to work on her body. She wanted to be able to be stronger than ever so that she could withstand the physicality that opponents threw her way. And there was so much optimism that with her back, with a player like AZ Fudd, her really close friend and teammate, some of the other pieces that they had there that they were going to be able to run it back and make sure the result was different than it was in Minneapolis. So that brings us back to the scene you started with. The ACL injury kept Paige off the court all of last season. So tell me, how did that injury happen in the first place? So that summer in stores on you know day in August, they were playing a pickup game and most of the team wasn't even in town. But Paige had stayed there to work on her body and there was a group of them playing pickup with practice players. I was coming down, dribbling the left side. I was like pushing the ball in transition. It was probably in like almost a full sprint um, trying to get a layup. And somebody had like cut me off so I didn't have the angle to get a layup anymore. So I tried to stop implant and my knee sort of just gave out and I felt something it felt like sort of like a snap or a pop or it just didn't feel right and I went down I slapped the floor and I was like like dang it's my knee she tried to walk it off almost to will it to be fine and she wasn't able to had to get carried into the the training room where that manual test was done by the end of that day they received the news that it was her ACL and that she was gonna be missing the season Basketball player gets injured playing basketball is not news, but when it's Paige Beckers, it is. How did this affect the program more largely, specifically with a guy like Gino Oriema, a legendary coach who had to handle this? The way he described it to me was that it affected everyone in the program more than anything he'd seen in a long time. And that was because they all felt so deeply the loss that Paige was experiencing. She had put in so much time and effort and energy to getting back to the court, to getting back to a better physical place than she had been before. She had already come off that knee injury her sophomore year. And now there's just this finality that she wasn't going to play this season. It wasn't like the first one where there was that hope that she could come back. This was it. It was was final. It was done. But then there was also the fact that they almost, in his words, lost a piece of themselves and part of their goals and aspirations was sucked out. And it kind of just honestly derailed from there. They had a lot of other injuries or just general misfortunes from a coach passing out before a game on, on the court to Gino dealing with the death of his mother and 
some other injuries just throughout the season, AZ Fudd being injured. And so it ended up being the most tumultuous season, really, of Oriamba's entire career. And so even though they did get healthier by the end of that season, and they were in the Sweet 16 with an eye making it back to the Final Four, they eventually had that streak snapped because they lost to Ohio State in the stunner in the Sweet 16 in Seattle. Harris, the rebound, off to Sheldon. Connecticut is not going to foul. Connecticut's Final Four streak will end. Their Elite Eight streak will end. The irony of that game was that they desperately needed a confident ball handler to break the Ohio State press, and they did have her. But she was just on the sideline with a look of helplessness in her eyes that she couldn't do anything to help her team. Non-contact ACL tear. It always feels like a freak accident when that kind of thing happens. And it leads athletes to look introspectively and say, why me? What happened? Why did I do to deserve this? Paige really leaned into those questions. And for a player of that little life experience, but that much basketball experience, what kind of answers do you think she found about herself as an athlete? There are these kind of biomechanical clues or indications, which basically people on her recovery team say, these are possibly contributing factors. Of course, you're not going to be able to know specifically X, Y, and Z led to it, but this is what could explain it. And so, of course, we know ACL tears are more prevalent in women than men, but also one of the most strong predictors of future injury, several people described to me, is a previous injury. So she did have that previous knee injury from her sophomore year. And if the biomechanics of maybe what led to that weren't corrected, that meant she was even more susceptible to suffer something like an ACL tear. What I really thought was fascinating to learn through the reporting of this piece was that there's a correlation between ankle injuries or if you have some sort of injury where your ankle is immobilized for a long time, that can also potentially lead to an ACL tear, an ACL injury, especially a non-contact one. The reason why that's the case is because if you have an ankle injury, it can change your movement mechanics and that can lead you to overcompensate on your leg. And so for Paige, it ended up that she had a right ankle injury from really high school, but then it was exacerbated her freshman year. And there's reason to think that that right ankle injury was part of the reason why she was having these issues on her left knee. Previous injury, best indicator of potential future injury, as you said, but what are you supposed to do with that? Non-contact, it changes how you move. She's a basketball player. That affects what you're doing when you're on the court. What is the mindset going into rehab if you're thinking, I really hope my leg works so I can actually hoop? The mindset ended up being that she had to change how she took care of her body. And she did that in a variety of different ways. Part of that was in the weight room. She became more serious about creating tissue density, which means you're basically making your muscles and your ligaments and tendons and bones more strong and durable. She worked on eating more consistently, fueling properly, and prioritizing sleep. Stuff that we think are like the little details, but there are no such thing as little details. These are the things that separate the good from the great. And then one of the things that I loved about I know her story. She embraced Pilates. She said that the first time she ever did Pilates, she was in shock. And now she's doing it four to five times a week. And she says it's the hardest form of workout she does. And that's because you're really building your powerhouse core. Of course, now I'm demonstrating this. Um, no one can see this because this is a <laughs> podcast. But it builds your core strength. And it allows you to move your legs, your arms, everything through your core, your deep you know, abs and, and you're those muscles there, the obliques and hips and everything. But also what stood out is that she surrounded herself with a team of personnel, both 
at UConn, but also externally. There was Susan King Borchard, who you might know from being the person who Subert says basically is the reason why she could play into her 40s. She works with a ton of other WNBA players, but uh, Susan basically coordinated her rehab and all the different components of it and really helped instill in her that the little things are what make the difference and that you know she had to take better care of her body and make it part of her routine. She really did everything within her control to make sure that she was preparing her body and making sure it was in a good place coming back from this injury and moving forward for the rest of her career. Being off the court physically is one thing. Mentally, it's another for the ball is life crowd. How did she deal with simply not being able to play basketball? Well, she probably more than anyone I've ever come across with is the ball's life kid. And one of her teammates told me that she just lives the game. And so for her to be separated from it, it was like it was taking her life from her. And the moment where I think that really was on full display was when UConn went down to Tennessee and it was a game that had a lot of hype around it. Having the fans back in full force for this matchup, UConn and Tennessee. The arena was sold out. All you see is orange in the stands. Everybody's rooting against you. ESPN's college game day was there, and there ended up being a crowd of close to 14,000. It's in that environment where you thrive on everybody rooting against you. Everybody wants you to fail, and you go in there and, and you shut everyone up. It wasn't really something that many people saw at the time, but Paige Beckers got emotional and started crying on the bench during warm-ups. It was, like, heartbreaking because that's, like... As a kid, that's where I wanted to be. That's where I dreamt of being and just not being able to experience that. I think that was like my first public mental breakdown. Like usually if I was upset, I would usually just go to my room or, or go, go on a car ride and just kind of handle it and, and be upset by myself. But that was like the first time where I couldn't really control my emotions. Like I was publicly and very visibly upset. She didn't want her teammates to see how much pain she was going through at times because she knew about all the other injury issues they were going through and how much they were dealing with that heaviness that she didn't want to weigh them down even more. I actually asked her about, you know, what those moments were like when she was trying to shield a little bit of her emotions from her teammates to try not bring them down further. And that was really the only moment where she broke down in tears in our interviews. You were trying to hide from them how much it hurt that yeah. you couldn't be out there with them or that you couldn't be playing. Yeah, sorry. I'm messing up the eye makeup, I'm sorry. It's a good question. Whew. I think the biggest thing for me was just like coming in every day, making sure that nobody saw like the the dark times and like the sad times I was going through. Um, just because we were already going through a rough time as a team. 
I thought that really showed how much for her that was difficult, but almost how much she cares about the team. A lot of people don't talk about like the FOMO that you're having, like just the fear of missing out. And you don't want it to be like, oh, I'm jealous of my teammates, but that's how it feels sometimes. It's more just like, I wish that was me too. Like, I want to be out there with them. Coming up, what it's like when a blue blood finds themselves down and out. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from $25 and under to, say, $100 and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Alexa, what we've discussed most so far is the physical component of rehab, but we talked a little bit about the mental side and the patience and the motivation needed to push through this tedious rehab process. What was her life like before versus after in terms of all of this? Yeah, well, before, from a physical standpoint, she was just the kid who wanted to lace up her shoes and go play basketball. She didn't really care about, you know, warming up her body, preparing her body for stuff that she was doing. She would go to practice having just eaten Skittles and no real breakfast. I mean, not necessarily the winning formula. She didn't really prioritize sleep. There was all these different like little things, little tidbits, little stories that people told me where if you compare who she was then to who she is now, it's just a totally different athlete. Someone who's prioritizing everything that she can do to prepare her body. And then from the more kind of mental and, you know, spiritual side, the spiritual part is actually something that she was someone who really um, leaned into her faith, kind of grew in her faith in high school. But through this bout of adversity, 
leaned on that even more. What have you learned about yourself the most throughout this process? Going in my faith, just being able to look at it not as like an obstacle, but just a wave of adversity, um, just something that I can get through. Um, and God he didn't promise that there wouldn't be obstacles, but he did promise that he would be there every step of the way. That's something that she learned to lean on God in those moments of doubt or fear or questioning and to try and let go of the why. One thing that Gina Oriama said is that, you know, when she does have that little kind of negative voice or the, the voice of fear versus of doubt, she's able to lock it away pretty well. And that the positive kind of nature that she has is, is what overwhelms that. You mentioned that she relied on her faith quite a bit. But the definition of faith is believing in something you can't see. Science requires you to believe in what you can prove. Paige Beckers has done a good job of balancing the two. But she's also had to watch the most disappointing UConn postseason in a generation from the sidelines. And she's witnessed a huge glow up for the women's game in general. Caitlin Clark, Iowa megastar. Bayou Barbie, Angel Reese, megastar. They both clashed in the national championship game. Meanwhile, the Huskies kind of on the outside looking in as afterthoughts. Strange, but it's true. How did Paige digest all of that, given her profile before the injuries? Yeah, Paige doesn't play the game for external validation or for the hype or for the fame. I think she, you know, enjoys it when it comes, but she plays it because she loves the game. And still, she also feels a sense of responsibility to help grow the game. And that was something given where she was her freshman year and how NIL came into the play, she felt like when she was on the court, she was able to help bring attention to the game and grow the game. And so, yeah, when she wasn't on the court and women's basketball was having this moment, she did feel a little forgotten. I mean, going through it, you sort of feel forgotten. Like, your impact isn't as great because you're not doing things on the court. Like, people don't remember who you are as a player, who you are as a person. Um, and you kind of just feel like in the background. And she did wish that she could impact the game in the ways that she used to and was she felt like she was supposed to when she was on the court. And so, and maybe the most disappointing part of that, it's not even because, you know, you didn't do enough or, um, you know, you lost, you, you failed, quote unquote, in something. It was just because the rug was pulled out from under her and she couldn't actually be on the court. UConn, big deal. A lot of expectations for this season, but they hit an early snag. They lost to then-unranked NC State last weekend. That game wasn't as close as it looked, if we're going to be honest. But do you think this was fluky, early season misstep? Or perhaps is this Huskies team legitimately in what we'll just call a mini-rebuilding phase regarding literally, I guess, rebuilding their bodies, never mind their ability to, you know, dominate other teams? Yeah. Well, first of all, NC State is really good. That was a very good team that was playing in a very tough, they have a very tough home environment to play in. So uh, kudos to them for just going in and, and not being intimidated by the name across, you know, the chest of the opposing team. I think that those days are long over. No one's intimidated by playing a, a UConn team anymore, which is probably good for the game, right? But to answer your question, I think if there's any big, glaring, potential red flag for this UConn team, it's that they don't have a ton of bigs outside of Aaliyah Edwards, who is great and played at an All-American level last year. That, I think, could be something that isn't necessarily a totally correctable problem, but I do think a lot of things that we saw from that game were correctable. 
Their offensive process was so bad, but that's something that if they just simply moved and cut and did all the things that make a good offense go, then they probably would have done better. Defensively, they're going to have to get better too. They gave up the most points a UConn team has ever given up in regulation since, I think, 2001. But we do know Gina Oriama gets his teams in a really good position on the defensive end of the floor by the end of the year. And the good news, if you're UConn, Paige looked really good. She was aggressive, putting her body on the line, and was really efficient offensively. But the whole thing, even as we talk about Paige and all the hype and, and what she did her freshman year, what she did in the lead eight her sophomore year, is that they know... And I think this game showed that they're not going to be able to win a national championship if it's just Paige Beckers alone. So it's going to come down to who else is around helping her. And you're just not going to be handed the national championship this year, regardless of the talent on your roster. UConn, they're looking to bounce back tonight against 20th ranked Maryland. We know Brenda Fries and them bring it. But just beyond tonight, what are you looking for from Paige and UConn as the rest of this season plays out? I think when we talk about Paige and UConn, I don't know, the goal, regardless of what happened against NC State, is going to remain a national championship. But what really stands out about this story to me is so much about Paige and UConn and you know the fact that Paige has been trying to win this national championship as part of um, you know the next era of the Huskies. And UConn hasn't won a national title since 2016 and Brianna Stewart, which feels like an eternity ago. I mean, their fates and everything are so intertwined and it's actually been something that we've talked about since before Paige even got to stores. There's all this discourse, right, about how she would be the UConn savior, quote-unquote. She was going to get them back to the mountaintop and help them win a national title or two or three, and the undefeated seasons would be back. And look, a lot of that is probably just not going to happen given where the game is right now and obviously the injuries that she's dealt with and other UConn people have dealt with. But it'll be interesting to see how this story ends, not just for Paige, but for UConn. We don't know how many years she'll stay at UConn. She could stay up to two after this season. But even though things haven't gone to plan for her, between her faith in a higher power and her optimism and hope that's just kind of who she is at her core, there's still that kind of guiding principle for her that everything that she went through happened for a reason. And she still firmly believes, as she told me, that she's gonna have a great story to tell by the end of all this. Thank you, Alexa. Thanks, Clinton. I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. Talk to you tomorrow, kiddos. Mm-hmm.